Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Now, at this point, we're ready to start looking at what is called the seven churches of Revelation. Some of you may have been in many services where you've heard this preached. Well, the seven churches were seven literal churches that did exist, okay? Uh, just like any other church in that day. But they represented the entire world because they were so spread apart. At that day, at that time, they felt they didn't know the world existed beyond the ocean, beyond the Mediterranean Ocean and beyond that continent. So when they're talking about the world and those things, that's what they're discussing. But they're also talking about those churches representing all of the people and all of the churches on the face of the earth. So when we're looking at these, they're going to be written to individual churches, but they're also going to be written to people in general. So they apply to you and to me, and the warnings that are given apply to us, and the blessings that are given apply to us. So today we're going to look at the first one called the Church of Ephesus. And that's in chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thou thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, when John opens, or when Christ opens, and recorded by John, and he talks about the angel of the church of Ephesus. Well, remember, the word angel is, a, is interpreted from a Greek word that means messenger. So the Lord is saying to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write these things down and make a record of them because they are important. There is something there that is necessary to be said. And then he talks about the candlestick and he talks about uh, some other things. Well, those can, that candlestick is a representation of the Spirit of God. Anytime we see the candlestick or fire or oil in God's word, it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord is telling the churches, be aware that not only my presence, the Holy Spirit's presence, and my messenger's presence are all bearing witness to what is being said. And that's something that we ought to take seriously today. Because even in our lives, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present at all times, all around us. 
And they are bearing witness to our lives. And that's what the Lord was talking to the church of Ephesus about and to Christians about. To be aware of who we are and be aware of the presence of God in our lives daily, even in bad times. And especially, I'll say especially in bad times. When we get really in a corner and we feel like there's nowhere else to go, we feel like life worth the very lowest we can be, there is God. He is there. He is a witness to what is going on in our lives. And you know what? When we're at our lowest, God is there reaching down with his hand. And he is saying, take hold. And he's offering us a hand up. He's not offering a hand out, but he's offering a hand up. And that's what the Lord was saying to the church of Ephesus. He went through all of this and he taught, he bragged on them. He bragged on everything that they were getting right. But then he said he had something against them. That they had left their first love. And that's what the message this morning is about. It, that's what the application is to you and I today. Is being careful not to lose that and leave that first love of Jesus Christ. Because we can look at it as an unguarded faith. When we think about Ephesus, I want to, and the church of Ephesus, I want to give you an idea of what that city looked like in this day when this was written. During John's day, it housed and it was home to around 250,000 people. It was a very large city. It was the largest and most important city in the Roman province of Asia. Ephesus, however, was a pagan city. It was a city that didn't have a lot of Christianity. The Apostle Paul established a church there. And then he handed it off. And John was now the pastor of that church, or wound up being the pastor of that church. Probably the most influential pagan influence was the Greek god Artemis. We know her as Diana. Maybe you remember Paul talking about her. She had a temple dedicated to her, and it was regarded as one of the seven wonders of the world. It was so magnificent. However, Diana expected worship of herself. The, the goddess of Diana was there, and they worshipped Diana through prostitution. Male and female prostitution. That was the way the worship was conducted. And there were multitudes of people in Ephesus that would go and would participate in this. So the church was needed there. The preaching of Christ was needed. As those was going on and people were getting saved, then the church was established and put into play. Acts chapter 20 verse 31 gives a little more detail to that. Well, the people of opportunity, uh, people of Ephesus, they had opportunity to hear and many people got saved. Some of the people that we know of from God's word that were ministers there were Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila and Timothy and Paul. Um, before, and John even lived there and some believe before he was banished to the Isle of Patmos he lived there and then he came back. We know he came back afterwards and he pastored the church. Well, the Christians at Ephesus, they had to be strong. All of this going on around them, all of the money, all of the influence, all of the pagan worship, all of the false things going on, they were, it was easy 
to get discouraged. It was easy to get depressed and frustrated. It was easy to get distracted. It was easy to let your faith get overwhelmed. It's no different than the world today. Think about the world today. The world today is full of immorality. The world today is full of things that are fighting for our attention all day, every day. The world today uh, is full of things that are wanting to take away uh, take away from the Word of God and wanting to put other things up on pedestals in front of us. What does that do to our faith? What does that do to our faith? We have a tendency then of wanting to put other things in a priority above the Lord. And that creates dangers in our life. That creates dangers with our walk with God. So some things I want to mention to you today about being cautious of an unguarded faith. When I say an unguarded faith, talking about not giving faith, our faith in the Lord, the highest priority that it deserves in our life. Because if we don't do that, if we don't understand the priority that it deserves in our life, and if we don't place it there, and if we don't keep it there, and we don't guard that faith, then we're going to have a possibility or a threat of replacing it. Now, faith is a good thing. Let me begin by saying that. We can have faith in our jobs, and that's good. We need to have that kind of confidence in them. We can have faith in our families. We need to have confidence in them. We can have faith in churches, and that's fine. We need to have confidence in our church families. We can have faith in a lot of things in life. But nothing should have the highest level of faith as our faith in the Lord does. And if we get, if we get lax, and if we're not careful, we wind up not guarding our faith. And we wind up letting something else take its place. And before we know it, we're not looking to the Lord to solve our problems. We're not looking to the study of the Word of God to solve our problems. We're looking at something else. And then when we don't get our problems solved, when that disappoints us, then our faith gets affected. And when our faith gets affected, then we wind up Losing our faith in God first over man. Then we have problems. That's what happened at Ephesus with them. That's the reason the Lord said, you have left your first love. They were a very prosperous church. They were a very effective church. They got pride in themselves over what was going on and what God was doing through them. And because they got prideful in themselves, they started thinking it was all about them. So some things I want us to look out for today is an unguarded faith will lead a church, will lead to a church of works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the Apostle Paul writing about salvation. We have to, he wants us to understand that our salvation itself is, has nothing to do with what we have done or can do. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. There is nothing that I can do to live well enough for the Lord to want to save me. He has done everything that he can do for me. 
He has done everything that he can possibly do for anyone when he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross and he was resurrected again on the third day. That was it. He could do no more. After that, it is up to us, to you and I, to come to God through Christ and ask him to forgive us of our sin. Nothing that we can do. But the church that has an unguarded faith is a church that will, (coughs) excuse me, pardon me, that will view its work as a task. It's something, it is something that they feel like they have to do. There's a, this is a sad, this is a sad point right now. But this morning there were a lot of people who got it, they got a shower, they got dressed, they went to church because they felt like it was something they had to do. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, I'm just saying my experience and my time in the pastorate. There's people, I've talked to people, and I will be greeting them at the end of service. They'll say, well, preacher, we, we had to come this morning. We had to get this out of the way so we could get along with the rest of our day. And that's what they, they actually felt like, that it was a task that they had to do. And there are others that are doing that today. They're there today because they feel like it's a task. And I want to say this morning, if you felt like you had to be here today, God put you here for a particular reason to hear his word. But coming because of a task, because it's something you feel like you have to do, other than put you in front of the word of God, that's the only benefit that you have. Come, be a part of our services because you want to learn from the Lord. Because you want to hear from his word. Because you want to grow in His, in your faith with him and in your walk with him. Because you want to have a closer relationship with him. Also, it's an un- it's a church of works because it's in it's in contrast to the truth. When we look at the truth, we see the church of Corinth as an example. They were a very immoral church. They knew the right and wrong of God's word, but they chose to go down a bad path. A, a church, a, a, a church that is a church of works knows that it's doing wrong. A Christian that is a Christian of works knows that they are doing wrong. But it's a choice that they make in their own lives. We need to not focus on what feels good to us. We need to focus on what the Lord has in store for our lives. And that may be a long, treacherous, and struggling walk. And I'll tell you that from experience. Because when we start following the Lord, things get difficult. Things get really difficult. When we start being, we can be religious, and we can follow a denomination, or we can follow any of those things, and they're all fine. I mean, they, they, things will seem to be going smooth as silk because we get, we're doing popularity things with people. But when you're following the Lord, it's not so much about being popular with people. It's about being obedient to God. It's about being obedient to what he wants in our life. So when we hear John, or the Lord through John, say you have left your first love, that should be a big red flag to every one of us to ask ourselves, my goodness, have I left my first love? 
Have I left the first love of Jesus Christ? Because when we were saved, if you were saved, if you know you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, there was that moment. Maybe you can remember that moment when you asked him to come into your heart and life. And you remember that, that, that feeling that you had. You remember that work that was going on. There was nothing more important in your life than Christ. You can have that back. You can have that back. And that's what Christ wants in all of our lives. That's what he wants in your life. That's what he wants in my life. He wants to be our first love. What's the benefits of that? Well, if we put Christ first in our life and we make him our first love, then he is going to make sure everything else works out right. It may take a while because he's dealing with other people. He's, but he's going to make sure that our personal relationships work out. He's going to make sure that we are with others that love him just as much as we love him. He's going to make sure that our family relationships with our children and our siblings work out. Because he understands the importance of it being a good relationship in the family and with siblings. The Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father had that father-son relationship. And they understood what that's about. So when we have our, that right relationship with God, when He, when the Lord is where he wants to be, where he wants us to be, then those relationships that fall in our lives are under his command and under his control also. Not only that, but those relationships that we have with the church family, they begin to grow and they begin to develop and they begin to work out. We have a lot of church families today that are on rocky ground. There's a lot of struggle in churches today, in some churches, I say. Not all, but in some. And that's sad because it doesn't have to be that way. Why? Usually it's because they have left their first love. Jesus isn't the priority that he should be anymore. If he's going to be the priority in our life, the first thing that we're going to be concerned about, does other people know about Jesus? Does other people know about him? How do I get Jesus into the hearts and into the lives of my family members? How do I get Jesus into the hearts and the lives of my children, my grandchildren, my co-workers? He will be that level of a priority personally in our life. We will become that voice. We will become that voice that introduces others to Jesus Christ. An unguarded faith will also put at risk our sensitivity to conviction. Our sensitivity to conviction. One of the greatest dangers in the world today is the desensitivity to sin. Look at what goes on in the world around us. Look at all of the sexual immorality that's going on. The uh, the exploitation of children, the pedophilia that's going on, all of the violence, all of the hatred, all of the anger, and yet 
We hear about it daily, but how often does it really bother us and concern us? We are being desensitized to it on a daily basis. If we're going to hold on to our first love of Christ, we have to allow and we have to understand and ask for the sensitivity and the conviction of that level of sin to be bothering us, to be a burden to us. We may not be able to stop what goes on in New York or Los Angeles or any of those places, but we can be concerned enough about it to pray. We can be concerned enough about what's going on in the lives of other people around us to lift them up in prayer, to love them, to care for them. You may not be able to change their lives. You may not be able to do anything to make them change or to be a to, to be an influence, but you can pray for that influence in their life. When the Lord says, you have left your first love, all of the other stuff that had been done in the past was good. All of the other stuff that was done in the past was great. It was a great testimony. It was a great heritage. It was a great work. But at that present time, it was for nothing. Because at that point in time, until they had their heart right, until they were living right, until they had repented of where they had been and where they had gone to, the future held nothing for them or for those around them. The future, there was no future for Ephesus. If we want a future for McDowell County, if we want a future for North Carolina, if we want a future for our nation, we had better be careful and not leave our first love. We had better be careful and cling to Jesus Christ and let him have his proper place in our heart because we may be, we may be the people that Christ calls to be his voice. Say, me? Why would he want to call me? Look at the people that he used as his apostles and for all the disciples, everybody that followed him. Jesus did not go to the Pharisees. And Jesus did not go to the government. Jesus went to the average common working person. He went to the average common everyday person. And he looked at them and he said, follow me. And follow me and I will make you fishers of me and follow me. And you will be my witnesses. Follow me. And you will be gifted to do my work. Follow me. And that's what he's telling every one of us today. Follow him. Follow him and not leave our first love. And we can be those people that he uses and he chooses to work through. We don't have to have anything special. We don't have to have any special training. All we have to have is a heart that is obedient to him, that loves him, and that is willing to love other people people. So let's be careful not to leave our first love. As we close this morning, are there any comments or any questions? I would like to say something. Um, for the past year, I've kept, I've kept this to myself. I feel like I can share it now. I, I have been getting bullied online and and it's just hard because every time, every time I post a, a picture of me, I get called ugly or I get called 
the F word in a bunch of names, and it just, and it brings me down and makes me feel worthless or makes me feel like I'm not beautiful, but whenever, whenever I'm around other people, they, they say, oh, you're beautiful Mm -hmm. and you're sunny, and I know I have, I have friends here. I have Courtney, I have Amanda, I have everybody, mm-hmm. and I have my mom, and I also have God. Mm-hmm. And the life God puts has and trials in your life. That, that, that test is your faith. Mm-hmm. That test is your faith. He's trying to test your faith to see if, you're, see if you can hold your faith. Right. And he will. You are. Listen. You are beautifully and wonderfully created in the image of God. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. You are beautifully and wonderfully created in the image of God. All of us are. All of us are. Those people, and I have to deal with those people too, those people who try to do that online and on the the social media sites and all of that stuff, they have a problem with themselves. They have a real self-confidence problem. They've yet to understand what it means to be wonderfully created in the image of God. And they have that problem with themselves. And in order to make themselves feel better, they want to pick on somebody else. So they look for people. Don't let them bother you. Don't follow and don't let them pull you down. That's like these people that the, the, the temple of Artemis, those false pagan worship places there, they were trying to draw people out of the church to come and worship with them. And they did do that to a great degree. There were people that were going over there to worship and people that were staying in the church to worship. And they were causing all kinds of problems like that. But it was only because they knew that what they were offering was false. They knew it was false. And they knew what they had in the church in Christ. They knew it was real. And they were looking to draw someone away from what was real and draw them into something that was false. That's what those people are doing. They're trying to draw you away from understanding and knowing that you are wonderfully made in the image of God. Don't leave that. Don't leave that. When those people pop up, you just... Just delete them and move on out of the way. Don't worry with them. Because they're trying to draw you away from the reality of who you are. They're trying to move, take you from whom God wants you to be and turn you into who they want you to be. Don't follow that. Don't follow that. You're a wonderful person. All of you are. All of you are. Don't let anyone get in your lives and try to draw you away from who God has created you to be. You're special in his sight. You're his children. You're wonderfully made in his image. All of you. Someone else. Okay. All right. Let's close in prayer then. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to... To be here today to open your word. Thank you for these wonderful ladies opening their home and allowing us to come in and, and share and to, to listen and to be blessed with their, with their stories of how they're overcoming, how you're dealing and working in their lives. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to strengthen them, encourage them, lift them up. And Heavenly Father, I ask that you would build a hedge about them. I pray that you'll stop the attacks that are coming in from the outside and may they all remember that they are wonderfully made in your image and they're your children. Lord, I pray that you would lead God and direct them in everything that's said and done and we'll be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you. And for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.